everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Wrap. For the entire month of October, we have been covering this four-part series entitled A Divine Encounter with God. We found out in part two, a spiritual encounter that just like Jacob, it is possible for us to experience the presence of God and still not personally know who he is. The Lord himself confirmed in the midst of Jacob's spiritual encounter that Jacob didn't know who he was. When we looked at Genesis, the 28th chapter and the 13th verse, the Bible says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac. He never once mentioned, and I'm your God as well. Why? Because Jacob didn't really know who he was. And Jacob himself confirmed that when you look down on the 20th verse of the 28th chapter of Genesis, Jacob himself vowed to God saying, if God will be with me, if he will keep me in this way that I go and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I will come again to my father in peace, then shall the Lord be my God proof there that Jacob didn't know God. He knew God as the God of Abraham. He knew as the God of Isaac, his father, but he didn't have a personal relationship with God himself. So we have to be very careful when it comes to us experiencing a spiritual encounter and not get caught up with the encounter thinking that that's it. God wants more from us than just in a spiritual encounter. Spiritual encounters have the tendency to move us, to shake us, to stir up our emotions. But guess what? In the end, Jacob left that place with no change. We want to be changed by God. As we concluded part two spiritual encounter, we found out that God used Jacob's uncle Laban to knock him down from his, to his place of humbleness. Finally, Jacob had met his match. His uncle Laban had proved to be more cunning and more outwitting than Jacob could ever be. We found out that Jacob served his uncle Laban and was tricked again and again by Laban for a part of 20 years. Yes, 20 long years. He served for Rachel, his beloved Rachel for 14 years and then turned around and served another six years for the cattle that he had tended to for years, even after Laban changed his wages over 10 times. In the book of Genesis 31st chapter, we finally see after 20 years of going through what I like to call a character change or transformation by God, Jacob was finally ready. So the Lord spoke to Jacob to return unto the land of his father, to the land of his kindreds, not only did he tell him to return, he reminded him that he would be with him. When we take a look at the 31st chapter of Genesis and the 11th verse, we see Jacob having a different kind of response following another spiritual encounter led by the Lord. The Bible says in the 11th verse, and the angel of the Lord spoke unto me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, here am I. As I said on part two, spiritual encounter, I truly believe that this is where God wants us to get to a place where we're willing to say like Jacob, here am I. We see that when Jacob said, here am I, then the Lord said unto him, lift up your eyes for I have seen all that Laban has done unto thee. It's not that God don't know what you're going through. God sees everything that you're going through. He just wants us to get to a place where we're willing to lift up our eyes and look towards the hill with cometh our help, knowing all of our help come from him and that he's working all things for our good. 
I am Elder Shanina Walker, and today on Let's Wrap, we'll be continuing with our four-part series entitled A Divine Encounter with God. Today, we'll be covering part three, A Personal Encounter. Now, let's wrap. As we look at personal encounter and what that means, we found out a personal encounter, it is one's private life, relationship, and emotions affecting or belonging to a particular person rather than anyone else. It's talking about our very own self. There comes a time in our life where we have to take inventory of ourselves. We have to deal with our own private life, our own private relationship, our own private emotions, not belonging to any other particular person, but rather to ourselves. When we look at what personal encounter mean, a personal encounter is one on one space specifically dedicated to the work on what overwhelms you or makes you anxious or worried in order to transform suffering into an experience of personal growth. And as we look at this text, we see this is exactly what Jacob was going through. Jacob had to have his own personal encounter with what was making him anxious, with what was overwhelming him. And we see from the text that he was anxious and worried about meeting his brother again. Now you got to think about this thing and rightly so. I could only imagine what was going through Jacob's mind at this time, knowing the situation and knowing how he left off um, the last conversation him and Esau had and, and seeing the anger and the hatred and the bitterness in the eyes of uh, Esau so much to the point where he said he wanted to kill Jacob. You have to imagine he had to be worried. He had to be anxious about meeting his brother again. So the Bible says, and let's read Genesis, the 32nd chapter, beginning at the first verse. And the Bible says, when Jacob also went his way, the angel of God met him. When he saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Manahanim. Now we, just like God told Jacob, go back home to the land of your father, to the land of your kindreds, and I'm going to be with you. The Lord is confirming that by sending angels ahead of him, showing Jacob that I'm with you. The Bible says in the third verse that Jacob's brother Esau was living in an area called Seir, the country of Edom. So Jacob sent messengers to Esau telling them, give this message to my master Esau. This is what Jacob, your servant says. I have lived with Laban and have remained there until now. I have cattle, donkey, flock, male, female servants. And I send this message to you and ask you to accept us. So Jacob decide instead of me going to meet Esau, I need to first gauge this thing. I need to find out how he's still feeling about me after all these years. So he decided he was going to send a servant ahead of him. And not only was he going to send a servant, he wanted the servant to let him know, Hey, listen here, brother. I have been with Laban. I've been with our uncle all these years. And that's where I've remained until now. But listen, God has blessed me. I have cattle. I have donkey. I have male and female servants. And all I want you to do is accept, accept me, accept us. The Bible says in the sixth verse that the messenger returned to Jacob and said unto him, we went to your brother Esau. He is coming to meet you and has 400 men with him. And then the Bible says in the seventh verse, Jacob was very afraid and worried. Remember what I said? A personal encounter means again, a personal encounter is one-on-one -on -one space specifically dedicated 
to working on what overwhelms you or makes you anxious or worries you in order to transform suffering into an experience of personal growth. I submit to you today that Jacob had come to a time in his life where he had experienced a social encounter he, with no change. He had experienced a spiritual encounter with no change. Now it was time for him to experience a personal encounter where he would have some personal growth. The Bible tells us in Genesis, the 32nd chapter and the seventh verse that Jacob was so afraid and worried. What did he do? He divided the people who were with him and all the flocks, the herd and the camel into two camps. So here Jacob is now thinking ahead. So Jacob decided in his mind, this is what I'm going to do. Just in case Esau might come and destroy one of my camps, I'll still have another camp and they can run away and be saved. I'm not going to go send everything at once. At least my brother Esau takes revenge and destroy everything that I have. When we look back at the sixth verse, God just allowed us to see through Jacob how quick it is for us to lose faith and stop trusting in God. As soon as Jacob messengers returned to him with a report that Esau was coming to meet him and had 400 men with him, immediately panic began to set in. The Bible said Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Through the scripture, we can see that Jacob is still not there yet. Yes, there's still some work that need to be done in the character of Jacob. Why do I say that? Because he's fearing what Esau would do to him instead of trusting in God. God had already told Jacob that I'm going to be with you. I'm going to return you to the land of your father, to the place of your kindreds. But we see here in the ninth verse, Jacob begins to pray. Let's read. Genesis, the 32nd chapter in the ninth verse. And then Jacob said, God of my father, Abraham and God of my father, Isaac, Lord, you told me to return to the country of my family. Still, we see that Jacob has not yet acknowledged God as his father. He's saying the God of my father, Abraham and the God of my father, Isaac. You would think after all Jacob has been through by now, he would be acknowledging God as his own father. But no, why not? Because he had not yet had his very own personal encounter to be able to know God as himself. Not only that, but we see where Jacob is charging God foolishly as if he was not able to do what he promised him he would do. He said unto the Lord, you told me to return to the country of my family. And you said that you would entreat me well. The 10th verse says, I am not worthy of the kindness and the continual goodness you have shown me. The first time I traveled across the Jordan River, I had only my walking stick, but now I own enough to have two camps. As we look at the contrast between the ninth verse and the 10th verse, it is clearly obvious. We can see that Jacob is struggling within himself. Jacob is struggling with the old nature and the new nature that God is transforming him into. If we take a close look at that, we see here in the ninth verse, he was charging God. He was blaming God. He was saying, you told me, God, you told me to do this. You told me to do that. And then he came back in the 10th verse and he brought it down a notch. He began to say, God, I'm not worthy of the kindness and the continual goodness you have shown me. And then he was reminded of when he came across the river the first time, he had nothing but a walking stick. So he was reminded of the blessings and how God had blessed him and how God had grew him. I can totally see that Jacob is struggling within himself. A lot of time we think our problem with other people when the problem is within ourselves. 
We need to have a personal encounter with ourselves. We need to deal with our old nature versus our new nature. The Bible says we they're contrary one to another. Well, we have to understand that they are always in conflict one with the other. They are contrary to another. So if we walk in the flesh, we're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we walk in the spirit, we're going to satisfy the things of the spirit. We can't think for a minute that we're going to be able to walk around in the flesh and do the works of the Lord in the spirit. Neither can we walk around around in the spirit and think that we're okay by walking in the works of the flesh. The Bible tells us that the works of flesh are manifested as these things, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, distension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, He began to warn us against these things for the ones who commit these acts. The Bible says shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he goes on to tell us what we should be walking in. When we walk in the spirit, we should walk in joy, love, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He said against such things, there is no law. So we cannot go around thinking that we're going to be able to just get by by walking around in the flesh, doing whatever we want to do. We have to bring the flesh into subjection to the spirit. But nevertheless, we see that Jacob is struggling with his old nature and with his new nature of who God have called him to be. Jacob began to pray to God and he began to say in the 11th verse, please save me from my brother Esau. I am afraid he will come to kill all of us, even the mothers with the children. You said to me, I will treat you well, and I will make your children as many as the sand of the seashore. There will be too many to count. So Jacob was going back and forth within his mind and his spirit, struggling with that thing because he was afraid. A lot of times when we are afraid, we begin to struggle. We, we toddle between doubt, fear, doubt, and unbelief, fear, doubt, and unbelief. And we see here clearly in this text, in this passage, how Jacob was struggling with that thing. He was in fear of Esau and fear what his brother was going to do to him when he see him for the first time, knowing that 400 men were headed toward him. He just knew in his mind that uh, Esau was coming to kill him. He was taking no thought about what God had already promised him that he was going to make him great, that God had promised him that he was going to bring him back to a land. So he began to toddle back and forth, telling God what he told him you would do. You said that you would treat me well. You said you would make me uh, as the sand of the seashores too many to be to count. So he was struggling. We see right here, Jacob was really, really going through it. So many times in our life, we find ourselves in a situation or a circumstance going on where we're struggling between wanting to trust God, but struggling with the fear of what's happening around us and the circumstance and how it all looks. And he's looking at this thing with his natural eye and not through the spirit, knowing that if God is able to keep him up to this point and to bring him back to this place, God is going to do what he promised him. He asked, he told God, if you would bless me with clothes and if you would bless me with food, and if you would bring me back to this place, then you will be my God. And God did all that for Jacob. We see where God held up his end of the bargain. He did everything that he promised Jacob he was going to do. He provided him with that and some and brought him back to that place. Yet Jacob has still not yet acknowledged that the Lord is his God, that he is the God of, you are my God. You're the God of Jacob, not just the God of Abraham, not just the God of Isaac, but Lord, you're my God as well. So we see Jacob praying, but still referring to God 
as if he himself doesn't know him personally, that he doesn't have a personal relationship with him yet. God showed me that Jacob still did not fully know him because up to this point, he had had not had a personal encounter yet with God. Jacob prayed, Oh God, my father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, but still didn't know him as his own God. Because if he had known him as his own God, he would have trusted that God was able to protect him, that God was able to, to bring him out. But we see here, he's more afraid of Esau than he is afraid of God at this point. Cause he said, please save me from my brother. I am afraid he will come and kill us all. So we see in the text that even though Jacob is reminding God of what he told him he would do for him, that he will make him great and that his seed will be more than you can count. We see that in the 13th verse, it says, Jacob stayed there the night and prepared gifts for Esau from what he had with him. And he began to send 200 female goats and 20 male goats and 200 female sheep and 20 male sheep, 30 male camels and their young 40 cows, bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. Jacob gave each separate flocks and animals to one of his servant each and said unto them, go ahead of me and keep some space between each of you as a herd. And Jacob gave them in, orders and the servant with the first group of animals and said, if my brother Esau will ask, whose servants are you and where are you going with and whose animals are these? Then you will answer. They belong to your servant, Jacob. He sent them as a gift for you, my master Esau, and he also is coming behind us. So we see here again, Jacob is toddling back to his old behavior. He's trying to figure out in his mind how he can work this thing out. So as he stayed there that night, he devised up a plan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and send a gift, try to appease my brother, send something before me, and then he might be able to accept me. We can clearly see here where Jacob's old nature is rising back up again. Jacob is trying to manipulate his brother by sending him gifts. In other words, trying to appease him by sending presence ahead of him with hopes that somehow he can buy his brother's affection back. Even worse, he is still fixed and focused on seeing the face of man instead of seeing the face of God. He has not yet had a personal encounter with God. Why? So that his, he wants his brother to accept him. He's so worried about his brother accepting him when he should be worried about God accepting him. Too many of us are living our lives trying to be accepted by men. We're so busy trying to get the, get into the face of men. And we forget about the one who holds the power over man. And that is God himself. Even after he did all this, it still wasn't enough. That lets me know that no matter what we try to do in our life, it's still not going to ease the anxiety that we feel about the situation or the circumstance that we're going through. No matter how much we try to please man, it'll never be enough to ease your insecurities. Jacob did all of this. He sent all these gifts before him to his brother, but yet that still was not enough to ease his insecurity. When we look down in the 22nd verse, the Bible says, and he arose up that night. He was so worried and so concerned still, even after he sent all these gifts ahead of him to Esau, that he arose up in the middle of the night. The Bible says that during the night, Jacob arose up and crossed over Jabbok River at the crossing, taking with him his two wives, his two slave girls, and his 11 sons. He sent his family and everything else across the river. So now Jacob has sent his family, everything that he owned across the river, away from him, something powerful began to happen in the 24th verse. And the Bible says that Jacob was left alone. 
I submit to you today that for the first time in Jacob's life, he was about to experience a personal encounter with himself. The Holy Spirit began to show me that Jacob's problem was and why Jacob had taken so long to get to this point is the problem was with Jacob, like many of us, he never really had an experience or a personal experience in a personal space of his own. What do I mean? I mean, from the time he was in his mother's womb, he shared a space with Esau, therefore making it difficult to learn how to have a personal encounter with himself. Remember, personal means it is a private life, relationship, and emotions affecting or belonging to a particular person rather than anyone else. So for the first time in his life, Jacob had to begin to deal with his own personal relationships within itself. He had to deal with his own personal emotions within itself. He couldn't blame no one else. He couldn't look around to no one else. He had to, for once in his life, begin to look at himself. He had never learned how to regulate or deal with a positive interaction because all he was ever used to was struggling from the time he was conceived. Remember, he was struggling inside the womb with Esau. I found out it is during our alone times that we are forced to have to deal with ourselves. That's right. You heard me correctly. We have to learn in our alone times to deal with ourselves. That's why so many people spend most of their lives running here and there, going to this event, going to that event, doing this and doing that, working ourselves to death. Why? Because we refuse to be alone. We refuse to deal with ourselves. When we're alone, we have to deal with our own attitudes. We have to deal with our own idiosyncrasies. We have to deal with those quirks, quirks that other people see that we refuse to acknowledge. It appears that all Jacob had ever been accustomed to throughout his entire life was a negative social interaction. From a baby in the womb refusing to be left alone, he grabbed hold to Esau's heel being birthed into a dysfunctional family where he was never alone. His mother, he was a mama's boy. He was always around his mother, no doubt. The growing into adolescence, having to live life, sharing everything with an, uh, being inseparable with a twin. I don't know if anybody know what I'm talking about. When you have a twin, most of the time twins are inseparable. You see one, you see the other. Very seldom do you find two twins that can't stand each other. Two twins that don't want to be together. They're inseparable. They, he was always with somebody. And then going to live with um, in Haran with Laban and his family. So he went from one household to another household of dysfunction. Not only that, then he had to deal with the dysfunction in his own family, marrying two sisters, all the family drama that came with that. The Bible lets us know that Rachel and her sister, they were not getting along. There was a drama within that situation where Rachel found out that she was barren and she couldn't have any children. And the Bible says that she envied her sister Leah and Jacob, and they continued to go back and forth so much to the point that Jacob became angry with her when she began to criticize uh, Jacob for her not being able to have children. And then they began to give her their maid servant to Jacob. One would give the, this one to have kids by, and then the other one would give this one to have kids by. And they continued to do this until the Lord uh, blessed the womb of Rachel and Rachel began to bear children. And even at one point during this whole situation, um, Rachel was asking Leah for mandrakes. And she said, you done took my husband. Now you want to take my mandrakes too? She began to tell her, I'll sell them to you. I'll sell you my husband for the night. So they sold Jacob out for some mandrakes. And she said, no, you're coming in with me tonight. I bought you with mandrakes. So they were selling Jacob. It was a lot of dysfunction going on within this family. 
but Jacob never had dealt with a situation of being alone. There was dysfunction all around him. Jacob never experienced a moment of dealing with himself. And many of us, just like Jacob, we run and run and run and refuse to stop hoping to never have to deal with ourselves. In our conclusion, we see here that Jacob is about to experience his very own personal encounter and deal with himself. It wasn't until Jacob was left alone that he was able to release the fact that he had to come face to face with himself before he can come face to face with God. So please don't miss the conclusion of this dynamic four-part series, A Divine Encounter with God, as we conclude on next week with our final episode of Divine Encounter. I am Elder Shanina Walker. Again, we appreciate each and every one of you guys who listen, like, comment, and share this podcast. If you have not yet clicked on Facebook to become a part of our Facebook family, we do want you to do so. Please go to Facebook and click on Yasha, Y-A-S-H-A, Ministry Walker on Facebook. Also, we have a Let's Wrap Relationship group page on Facebook. We want you to also be a part of that, our Relationship Let's Wrap group page. We also want you to know that we do give away, support a giveaway gifts from time to time on this podcast. So we want you to be a part of that. Please go to Facebook and join us so we can get to know you better and you can get to know a little bit more about us. As always, I love you. Elder Walker love you, but God will always love you more. We thank each and every one of you guys who listen from all around the world to our Let's Rep podcast. Until the next time, have a blessed day.